It's June 24th, and this is the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast. And I am, as always, really delighted that you would take some time to uh, join me for this reading. I feel like I say I'm honored every day, and it's true. I really am, but I, I try to mix it up. So I'm delighted. I have a lot of joy in my heart that you would join me. And we're going to begin, as we always do, with our Old Testament reading. And as always, we're in the New Living Translation. 2 Kings chapter 6 through 7 is our reading in the Old Testament today. We're going to jump in here. Chapter 6, verse 1, 2 Kings. One day, the group of prophets came to Elisha and told him, As you can see, this place where we meet with you is too small. Let's go down to the Jordan River, where there are plenty of logs. Then we can build a new place for us to meet. All right, he told them, go ahead. Please come with us, someone suggested. I will, he said, so we went with him. When they arrived at the Jordan, they began cutting down trees. But as one of them was cutting a tree, his axe head fell into the river. Oh, sir, he cried. It was a borrowed axe. Where did it fall, the man of God asked. When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it into the water at that spot. Then the axe head floated to the surface. Grab it, Elisha said, and the man reached out and grabbed it. When the king of Armin was at war with Israel, he would confer with his officers and say, We will mobilize our forces at such and such place. But immediately, Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel, Do not go near that place, for the Arminians are planning to mobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would send word to the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he would be on the alert there. The king of Armin became very upset over this. He called his officers together and demanded, Which of you is the traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? It's not us, my lord the king, one of the officers replied. Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. And the report came back. Elisha is at Dothan. So one night, the king of Armin sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops and horses and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. So the army and army advanced toward him. Elisha prayed, O Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness, as Elisha had asked. Then Elisha went out and told them, You have come the wrong way. This isn't the right city. Follow me, and I will take you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to the city of Samaria. As soon as they entered Samaria, Elisha prayed, O Lord, now open their eyes and let them see. So the Lord opened their eyes, and they discovered that they were in the middle of Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he shouted to Elisha, My father, should I kill them? Should I kill them? Of course not, Elisha replied. Do we kill prisoners of war? Give them food and drink, and send them home again to their master. So the king made a great feast for them, and then sent them home to their master. After that, the Armenian raiders stayed away from the land of Israel. Sometime later, however, King Ben-Hadad of Armin mustered his entire army and besieged Samaria. As a result, there was a great famine in the city. The siege had lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for 80 pieces of silver and a cup of dove's dung sold for five pieces of silver. 
Ew, that's gross. Verse 26. One day, as the king of Israel was walking along the wall of the city, a woman called to him, Please help me, my lord the king. He answered, If the lord doesn't help you, what can I do? I have neither food from the threshing floor nor wine from the press to give you. But then the king asked, What is the matter? She replied, This woman said to me, Come on, let's eat your son today, then we will eat my son tomorrow. So we cooked my son and ate him. Then the next day I said to her, Kill your son so we can eat him. But she has hidden her son. That's a heavy verse. Verse 30. When the king heard this, he tore his clothes in despair. And as the king walked along the wall, the people could see that he was wearing burlap under his robe next to his skin. May God strike me and even kill me if I don't separate Elisha's head from his shoulders this very day, the king bowed. Elisha was sitting in his house with the elders of Israel when the king sent a messenger to summon him. But before the messenger arrived, Elisha said to the elders, A murderer has sent a man to cut off my head. When he arrives, shut the door and keep him out. We will soon hear his master's steps following him. While Elisha was still saying this, the messenger arrived, and the king said, All this misery is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Elisha replied, Listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. By this time tomorrow in the markets of Samaria, six quarts of choice fire flour will cost only one piece of silver, and twelve quarts of barley grain will cost only one piece of silver. The officer assisting the king said to the man of God, That couldn't happen even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. But Elisha replied, You will see it happen with your own eyes, but you won't be able to eat any of it. Now, there were four men with leprosy sitting at the entrance of the city gates. Why should we sit here waiting to die, they asked each other. We will starve if we stay here. But with the famine in the city, we will starve if we go starve if we go back there. So we might as well go out and surrender to the Armenian army. If they let us live, so much the better. But if they kill us, we would have died anyways. So at twilight, they set out for the camp of the Arminians. But when they came to the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Arminian army to hear the clatter of the speeding chariots and galloping of horses and the sounds of a great army approaching. The king of Israel has hired the Hittites and Egyptians to attack us, they cried to one another. So they panicked and ran into the night, abandoning their tents and horses and donkeys and everything else as they fled for their lives. When the men with leprosy arrived at the edge of camp, they went into one tent after another, eating and drinking wine. They carried off silver and gold and clothing and hid it. Finally, they said to each other, This is not right. This is a day of good news, and we aren't sharing it with anyone. If we wait until morning, some calamity will certainly fall upon us. Come on, let's go back and tell the people at the palace. Because, by the way, that's what you do when you find good news. You tell people. When you have good news, you tell people. And these lepers have come and they found out that the the army that was about to destroy them has left. And they're going to share that good news. When you find a deal on whatever, like, you know, it's like you get a a good deal on a a car or a good deal, you know, on, it could be milk. I don't know. You want to tell somebody. You want to tell those you're closest to. And when there's really good news, uh, you want you want to tell the world. You want to put it on social media. You want to you want to blare it out, which is why evangelism, uh, or, or or spreading the good news of Jesus, inviting people into the kingdom, is not something we we really need training for or tracks for. I'm not saying those things are bad, but you just share that which is good. Has Jesus impacted your life? He's impacted mine. That's why I can't help but do a podcast. I want to talk about him. 
I want to tell you, and I, I don't have it all together, and you don't have to have it all together. The gospel is very simple. What's the good news? Jesus has saved you from your sin and invited you into a new life. This is the gospel. How, how, do, I, how do I get that? By trusting he is who he says he is. You, you give your life to him. You say, I'm going to follow your way and not my way. And every time I find out I'm on my path and I'm not on your path, I'm going to repent or I'm going to turn. I'm going to follow your way. It's that simple. That's gospel. That's good news. Jesus has made a way in which you can connect to God. Yeah, this is a day of good news, and we aren't sharing it with anyone. They realize how ridiculous that is. And I would just say, if you've been affected by the the work of Jesus in your life, you should probably begin to see how ridiculous it is that you don't talk about it. Maybe it's not actually good news to you. Maybe it was good news, but it's not good news. I don't know. Verse 10. So they went back to the city and told the gatekeepers what had happened. We went out to the Arminium camp, they said. And no one was there. The horses and donkeys were tethered and the tents were all in order, but there wasn't a single person around. Then the gatekeepers shouted the news to the people in the palace. The king got out of bed in the middle of the night and told his officers, I know what has happened. The Arminians know we are starving, so they left their camp and have hidden in the fields. They are expecting us to leave the city, then they will take us alive and capture the city. One of his officers replied, We had better send out scouts to check this out. Let them take five of the remaining horses. If something happens to them, it will be no worse than if they stayed here and died with the rest of us. So two chariots with horses were prepared, and the king sent scouts to see what had happened to the Armenian army. They went all the way to the Jordan River, following a trail of clothing and equipment that the Armenians had thrown away in their mad rush to escape. The scouts returned and told the king about it. Then the people of Samaria rushed out and plundered the Armenian camp. So it was true that six quarts of choice flour were sold that day for one piece of silver, and twelve quarts of barley grain were sold for one piece of silver, just as the Lord had promised. The king appointed his officer to control the traffic at the gate, but he was knocked down and trampled to death as the people rushed out. So everything had happened exactly as the man of God had predicted when the king came to his house. The man of God had said to the king, By this time tomorrow in the markets of Samaria, Six quarts of choice flour will cost one piece of silver, and twelve quarts of barley grain will cost one piece of silver. The king's officer had replied, That couldn't happen even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. And the man of God had said, You will see it happen with your own eyes, but you won't be able to eat any of it. And so it was, for the people trampled him to death at the gate. Moving on to the New Testament reading today, Acts chapter 15, verse 36, through chapter 16, verse 15. Acts chapter 15, verse 36. After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark, but Paul disagreed strongly. Since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work, their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas, and as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. Then he traveled through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches there. Paul went first to Derbe and then to Lysteria, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lysteria and Iconium. So Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. In defense to the Jews of the area... He arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left, for everyone knew that his father was a Greek. Then they went to their, from their town. 
excuse me, in verse 3, I, I said a, a word wrong. I said in defense to the Jews, in deference to the Jews. So Timothy didn't have to be circumcised, but Paul showing respect to them, uh, you know, had, had Timothy circumcised. Anyways, verse 4. Then they went from town to town, instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the providence of Asia at that time. Then, coming to the borders of Misha, they headed north for the providence of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through Misna to the seaport of Tyros. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there, pleading with him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. We boarded a boat at Tros and sailed across to the island of Smatherace, and the next day we landed in Neopolis. From there, we reached Philippi, a major city of that district of Macedonia and a Roman colony, and we stayed there for several days. On Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for a prayer, and we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshipped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart, and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized. She asked us to be her guest. If you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home, and she urged us until we agreed. That concludes our New Testament reading, moving on to our Proverbs of the day. Proverbs chapter 17, verses 24 and 25. Proverbs 17, 24. Sensible people keep their eyes glued on wisdom, but a fool's eyes wander to the ends of the earth. Foolish children bring grief to their father and bitterness to the one who gave them birth. Finally, uh, we will be reading Psalm 142 in a posture of prayer. This is the 142nd Psalm, a Psalm of David regarding his experience in the cave, a prayer. I cry out to the Lord. I plead for the Lord's mercy. I pour out my complaints before him and tell him all my troubles. When I am overwhelmed, you alone know the way I should turn. Wherever I go, my enemies have set traps for me. I look for someone to come and help me, but no one gives me a passing thought. No one will help me. No one cares a bit about what happens to me. Then I pray to you, O Lord. I say you are my place of refuge. You are all I really want in life. Hear my cry, for I am very low. Rescue me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison so I can thank you. The godly will crowd around me, for you are good to me. And Lord, as I end this psalm with a prayer for uh, the end of our podcast, I just want to pray what David prays in verse 5 and 6. You are my place of refuge. You are all I really want in life. Hear my cry, for I am very low. Rescue me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison, so I can thank you. Lord, may this prayer be my prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining me for today's reading. Hope to see you back here tomorrow as we continue our journey reading through the Bible together.